Welcome to Hand Therapy Heroes, the premier podcast on hand and upper extremity rehabilitation. As a worldwide educator and developer of best-in-class hand therapy content, Susan Weiss, occupational therapist and certified hand therapist, brings you an array of hand therapy specialists, hand care solutions, and more. Welcome to Hand Therapy Heroes. I'm delighted to bring a unique hand therapy hero to you today from Hand Biomechanics Lab, Dustin DeKeen. Dustin graduated in 2007 with a master's in biomedical engineering and a bachelor's in materials engineering. The majority of his experience comes from working at BD Biosciences for over six years, where he was a program manager developing a new flow cytometer. Dustin started his position at Hand Biomechanics Lab in 2016 and studied hand anatomy and biomechanics for several months, one-on-one with Dr. Agee. And he is now co-owner of Hand Biomechanics Lab and oversees daily activities as well as long-term strategic developments. So Dustin, how did you become interested in the healthcare space? So when I was a kid, my cousin uh, was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes and um, it was pretty you know, traumatic seeing him as like a six-year-old having to give himself shots uh, and then when he grew up a little bit, he was helping his dad chop some wood and the, the wood splitter crushed his hand against a tree and uh, seeing how his hand deformity kind of affected his life and he's gotten used to it now. Um, but then, you know, and then also in high school, one of my best friends had leukemia when she was a little girl. And by the time I met her, she um, had, her treatment was done, but it was, it just made me realize how, how fortunate I was and made me really want to to kind of help people and give back. And so when I went to college, um, I graduated with a master's degree in biomedical engineering for that purpose, just anything I could do to help people. Being a physician was never really in my realm growing up. Um, it wasn't, I wasn't exposed to that, but uh, I always had sort of a mechanical mind. And so that fit me really well. And I happened across um, BD Biosciences, where I worked on developing new flow cytometers, which were being used for leukemia and lymphoma research. And so that made me feel really good, like I'm helping people. Even though my my friend had concluded her treatment and she had moved on and got married and had kids, um, it still made me feel almost like I was helping her. And so now at, at Hand Biomechanics Lab, you know, I feel like even though I'm not helping my cousin with his crushed hand, it, it still feels like I'm helping him or people like him. So there's sort of a, a deep-rooted passion and desire to, to kind of give back and, and help people as much as I can. So that's how I got into healthcare. And, and it, it is very rewarding and fulfilling every day. If, you know, as you're designing a new product, you're literally every decision you make has an impact on the patient. Um, everything from the design, obviously the design, the component selection um, in flow cytometers, which pump you choose has the longest reliability, or in the case of like our digit widget, there's a, a titanium coating to reduce the friction on the moving part. 
um, all of those little nuances affect the patient experience. And we, we try to make everything as straightforward as we can. Even the surgical tray is numbered mm -hmm. so that it is just straightforward. Um, so that it just every step of that is rewarding. You make a decision based on how the surgeon and how the patient are going to experience it. And it, it feels good kind of every step of the, of the way. So that's how I got into healthcare and, and I can't imagine working in any other industry. That's really fascinating. And from the engineering side of it is something that we don't think about therapeutically that all of those components going into the de development of products that we see being utilized or that we utilize in our clinical practices all the time. It, it's really interesting to hear about the nuances that sometimes we don't really think about. When, when we create orthotics ourselves, though, we, we do think about those things, but not really thinking about it on an engineering standpoint, but it is as well. So it, it's pretty, pretty fascinating to hear about that. Would you tell us a little bit about the history of the company as a whole, as a lot of people may not be familiar with the company and Biomechanics Lab and the product line. So we'd love to hear more. Sure. Well, so, you know, sort of going back to that, that theme, um, Dr. Ag initially invented the first single portal endoscopic carpal tunnel release system in the early 1980s. He had a patient that um, was on, on Canadian crutches as a result of uh, polio and needed for his livelihood. And he had carpal tunnel syndrome and he just kept wanting uh, cortisone injections and didn't want an open procedure. And so Dr. Agee had this clinical problem and he, he had a engineering lab. He had hired a, a engineer machinist. He had some, you know, machine shop equipment here and developed the very first um, single portal carpal tunnel release system. Um, and so it was in that same vein of wanting to solve a patient problem um, through kind of, he always talked about the synergy between the, the physician who sees a clinical problem and R&D engineering, biomedical engineers to come up with a solution. And you need that go back and forth to come up with sort of the ideal solution. Mm -hmm. That initial system, he, he licensed it to 3M and then 3M sold it off to MicroAir, who still sells, the, they, they call it the smart release and it's, it's, it's largely unchanged um, it, since those 1980s days. Uh, we have all the initial prototypes that went into it through time, and MicroAir still sells the exact same system, you know, predominantly unchanged. So it's, it's nice to see how all that kind of forethought went into creating a, a good system that really has stood the test of time. Um, then he went on, Dr. Agee went on to create the wrist jack, which was a external fixator for distal radius fractures, and, and again, we still distribute and market that out of our location here in Sacramento. Um, we manufacture everything ourselves. We inspect all of our parts. We get, we do everything as much as we can here to make sure the quality is what we want. Um, and then he spent a lot of time uh, with R&D. He would pull the engineers, the accountants, the marketing manager in to see patients with him when there is an interesting, an interesting problem so that he could explain the biomechanics and everybody got to see the clinical picture that they were trying to solve. So it took, you know, about uh, thousands of design iterations. And eventually in 2002, 
uh, Hand Biomechanics Lab released the Digit Widget, which was kind of our second big product, and that is for PIP flexion contractures. Um, and then from there, uh, back in oh 1987, Dr. Ag published a a, a bent K wire technique called the force coupled splint for uh, PIP dorsal fracture dislocation. And it's, it's a little bit difficult, but it has some biomechanical advantages over some of the other uh, bent K-wire techniques. But it's uh, a lot of times you hear surgeons take that paper and they, they post the picture on the wall in the OR, just tape it up there uh, so that they can remember how to bend the K-wires. So then we came out just last year with a device that we call the PIP fix, or a lot of people call it the PIP fix. Um, and that's for dorsal fracture dislocation. So those are our three products that now we, we sell and, and ship straight out of our location here, the wrist jack, digit widget, and PIP fix. And so, you know, he, Dr. Agee's kind of motto through time was we don't bring anything to market until it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And he, he loves telling the story of sitting down to a dinner with Dave Green and a whole bunch of other people. And Dr. Agee walked in the room and Dave Green stood up and said, this is John Agee and he runs Hand Biomechanics Lab. And if you ever see a product that comes out of their lab, you know it's good. <laughs> and he, he loves telling that because we, we have thousands and thousands of ideas that went nowhere because they just weren't perfect. And um, we see that from you know other medical device companies, you'll look at their product and we see Kind of biomechanical disadvantages because we worked on solving the same problem and we never brought a market a product to market to sol to solve that problem but other companies have and we kind of pride ourselves on on you know we're small but uh, i can't imagine anyone that kind of without putting anyone else down i can't imagine anyone that cares more than we do about our quality and um, our reputation when i came to Hambio. Um, he and I kind of really hit it off and share the same passion for um, quality and for patient care. So he's sort of uh, retiring and transitioning ownership to me. So um, we together, he and I co-own Hand Biomechanics Lab. And the intention is that over the next several years, then I'll, I'll gain full ownership and, and continue the company forward with sort of the same um, core values that he started it with. Wow, congratulations on that. I'm very, very honored. Yeah, it, we, the company has a good reputation, a, a great reputation, and it's a blessing to sort of lead it into the future. I, I love getting calls from patients and surgeons all the time. Um, most of the time it's regarding the digit widget and they almost always love the digit widget some of them love the name, some of them hate the name, but they love the device. Um, and, and then, you know, sometimes they call and they say, hey, can I get more elastic bands or whatever? But it's, it's fun to talk to them about their treatment, what the problem is, what the, what the PIP contracture is that they're trying to reverse, how treatment's going. It's, it's really a, a blessing from my standpoint. And that leads me into discussing a little bit more about the digit widget as a, lo a load of our listeners are probably wondering what is a digit widget what does it do who would use it and why so why don't you sure. take this opportunity to give us a little more details on the digit widget 
Okay. Um, the digit widget is a it's a small external fixator um, designed to apply an extension torque to the PIP joint of the finger. Uh, we use two small bone pins that fix the device to the dorsal side of the middle phalanx. And then the device attaches to a small kind of cantilevered beam. We call it the connector assembly. Um, and then the other, the proximal end of that connector assembly has a Velcro tab that, that adheres to a cuff that goes around the patient's hand. So that sort of provides that little cantilever and then an orthodontic rubber band that comes in the kit. There's light, medium, and heavy bands in the kit to give varying amounts of extension torque to the PIP. Um, the advantage of those is that the, the, the extension torque is transmitted directly to the skeleton. Um, a lot of times during treatment with, you know, a, a patient comes in with a PIP contracture, the surgeon sends them to therapy, therapist does various types of splints to restore the extension to the joint. Um, but those splints typically put pressure on the skin. And so the patient, you, you need to avoid, you know, pain and discomfort and ischemia and blistering. And so they, they can't wear those devices as, for as long, you know, maybe 10 minutes at a time, maybe a little longer than that. Um, but with skeletal traction applied through the digit widget, the patient wears it essentially 24-7. They'll take off the cuff and the connector assembly to take a shower. Uh, but they, they put it back on when they get out of the shower. So that extension torque is applied continuously 24-7, uh, and they wear it, you know, anywhere, depending on the contracture, usually about six to eight weeks of the pretty standard duration. Um, but in all cases, it's, it's really important to remember the digit widget applies an extension torque to the PIP, and it can reverse your PIP flexion contracture. But the therapist, the surgeon, the patient kind of working as a team, the most important part is for them to identify the cause of the flexion contracture or the force imbalance that caused the contracture in the first place. It, putting the widget on should get the finger straight, but it, once you take the widget off, if you don't correct that force imbalance, then the contracture is going to recur. So you can imagine, um, let's say, a pulley rupture and those flexor tendons have pulled away from the, the, the proximal phalanx, they're giving them a greater moment arm, and then the patient gets a flexion contracture. If you put the widget on, the finger would, should get straight, but if you take it off and you don't re repair those pulleys, then the flexion contracture is going to recur. So the, the hardest job is really on that team of people, the surgeon, the therapist, and the patient to identify the cause and have a plan to correct it. The digit widget is really a part of the treatment, but it's not the whole treatment in most cases. Sometimes it is the whole treatment. So patient selection is really important um, and, and having a plan to address the cause. And it's typically used um, most commonly with Dupuytren's patients for whatever reason, the digit widget sort of has this connotation of Dupuytren. Mm -hmm. So that's what we typically see, but it's also It'll restore, you know, uh, extension to a PIP joint regardless of why it's contracted. So we typically see it for Dupuytren's, but it's also applicable in trauma situations. So pulley ruptures, uh, central slip avulsions, proximal phalanx injuries, where either the, the dorsal aspect of the proximal phalanx has shortened or maybe there's um, an adhesion on the proximal phalanx. 
or burn scars on the palm side that are contracting the, the PIP. Uh, any of those, sort of any reason for a PIP flexion contracture, the digit widget can restore extension, but again, you need a plan to correct the force imbalance. Right, so determining where the force imbalance is would be either done before the correction or after, depending, and you might not know before if it was central slip or is it something volar, but based on the diagnosis, oftentimes you can problem solve that, but not always. And the knowing that is critical in the sense that the, the patient isn't going to be surprised by, I, I got it all the way straight and now we're done. They have to be aware that there's most likely going to be a second stage reconstruction that need, then needs to be taking place. Exactly. That's a critical conversation up front. And like you said, sometimes you don't know the cause, um, but the contracture, the PIP is so contracted, you can't really do a, a good physical exam on the PIP. Um, and so sometimes you put the widget on to get the finger straight and then develop your plan as you kind of gain more knowledge of, of what was causing it. But the worst calls are from surgeons or patients who have put a widget on, the finger was straight, they were super excited, and then they took the widget off and the contracture came back. Um, we just absolutely hate getting those calls, it breaks our heart, um, and it, was, it typically is, is because there wasn't a plan up front for how to address that contracture. There's also, you know, kind of going into the contraindications a little bit, um, one thing that we don't see very often, it's pretty rare, but sometimes it's a, a trauma event like a pulley rupture that caused the contracture. Um, and the collateral limit, the collateral ligaments were also torn. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's a, because of the, the swelling of the joint, the, the joint feels pretty stable. But when you put the widget on, as it starts to extend the PIP, that extension torque um, if you kind of think of it as just a circle, the circle gets a little bit smaller and you'll get um, a volar subluxation of the middle phalanx on the head of the proximal phalanx. And so that's because the collateral ligaments were, were torn, they weren't, it wasn't a stable joint to begin with, but it wasn't um, identified prior to installation of the digit widget. So uh, one thing that we really try to do here as much as we can is if anyone has questions about whether one of our products is appropriate for a particular patient, we're happy to review um, all the patient data, x-rays, photographs, anything we can, um, and make a recommendation. We would much rather not sell you a digit widget um, when we know it's not gonna work than have you use it and, and get a bad result or just be disappointed in it. So um, please you know, reach out to us and we'll help you identify if, if this is a good patient for the, the widget. That's wonderful to know. And therapists do run into patients on a regular basis that they've tried treating with splinting, static progressive splinting, uh, you know, cast, serial casting, or a variety of orthoses and have not had success. So it would be another tool that they could call upon in the sense of going to their surgeon colleagues and mentioning the digit widget as an option or calling you directly and finding out basically if it would be an applicable case and then moving from there to their surgeon colleagues because therapists of course can't apply these themselves 
because as you said, it's installed and it's, it's a surgical technique, but uh, how do you see the role of therapists typically with digit widgets and do you get calls directly from therapists on a regular basis? Yeah, good, good question. We, therapists are critical to the treatment. Um, like you said, a lot of times they've tried the, the splinting and casting and they're not seeing the results or maybe the patient kind of plateaus at a certain point. Um, and so being able to, you know, sometimes surgeons aren't aware that the digit widget exists or the benefits of it, or we actually on, honestly, a lot of times hear from surgeons that have never thought of it beyond Dupuytren's. They, they may use it all the time for their Dupuytren's patients, but their trauma patients never, they just never consider it. Mm -hmm. So the, the therapist's involvement, knowing that it's available and helping identify if this patient could benefit from it is extremely important um, for that patient's care. And then the, the, the therapist almost acts like a psychiatrist a lot of times for the patient. There's a lot that goes into that follow-up care. You can imagine a, a patient goes home after surgery and wakes up the next morning with this contraption on their finger, and they're not sure what to do or even if they can take a shower. So mm -hmm. the therapist is probably the first person that shows them how to take the cuff off, how to take the connector assembly off, uh, reassures them that they can take a shower, uh, talks to them about, the surgeon will typically talk about pin site care, um, but the therapist should follow that up as well. And then, you know, we include a ton of information in the, in the system, and all of that information is available on our website as well. The surgeon's manual, there's therapy guidelines, there's um, all kinds of information, but a lot of times it's not kind of reviewed prior to the case. And then depending on the patient, some patients look us up and they're thoroughly prepared before they even have surgery. They know exactly how their treatment's going to go. Um, and uh, most patients aren't that aggressive with their own treatment. But one of the most common mistakes we see is people put the Velcro tab of the connector assembly way back towards the wrist. And they, in their, in their mind, they imagine sort of pulling on the PIP to pull the PIP straight. Mm -hmm. But in reality, that actually puts additional torque across the MP joint. So you can imagine the device ex exerts an extension torque to the joints between the Velcro tab and the middle phalanx, right? The device is surgically installed on the middle phalanx, and wherever you put that Velcro tab on the cuff, there's an extension torque applied to whatever joints are in between. Mm -hmm. So you want that Velcro tab as distal as you can get it over the head of the metacarpal so that... Um, the extension torque, the, the moment arm applied to the MP is negligible. It's zero if you, if you put it as distal as you can over the MP joint. But as you pull that back proximally towards the wrist, then now you have your MP joint and your PIP joint in, in the chain, and you'll get MP extension and hyperextension. Mm -hmm. And that's counterproductive because as your, as your joint goes, uh, as your MP goes from extension to hyperextension, the, the extensor hood lifts off the head of the metacarpal. Those transverse fibers of the extensor hood get tight and it limits the proximal excursion of the, of the extrinsic extensors. So now your extrinsics are not able to uh, contribute to the, the treatment of restoring PIP extension. So really what you wanna do is put the MP joint in a slight amount of flexion and in our kit, we include an MP strap 
that can go over the proximal phalanx and attach to the cuff to sort of splint the MP in, a, in slight flexion and put the Velcro tab of the connector assembly over the MP joint. That's the way that the system should be configured and that concentrates all of the torque out at the PIP. But that's the most common mistake that we see. Um, another common need that comes from the therapist is to remind the patient how to properly wear the cuff. Um, we see a lot of times people put the cuff on backwards um, and that can cause a lot of irritation in the thumb web space. So helping them learn how to use the cuff, uh, different patients will have, uh, you know, it's, the cuff can, they get kind of sweaty and um, you can advise your patients to put sort of a little socinet or something under the cuff between the cuff and the skin to help with that irritation. Um, and then also advising the patient, they can put a sock over their hand at night so that the device doesn't get caught on the bedding. So there's a lot of these little kind of nuances that, that are the details of the patient's treatment that while they're wearing it for six to eight weeks, um, make their life a whole lot easier and make their treatment as effective as it can be. Um, and a lot of times those details aren't really presented by the surgeon. They, they often come from the therapist. So the therapist is critical in that treatment. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the, another sort of real important one is, is tr uh, the band selection with the patient. The, the kit comes with light, medium, and heavy bands. And the point of the digit widget is to grow the palmar soft tissues back out to length. We're not trying to stretch them. Okay. So you want, the sweet spot is, is about 10 to 20 degrees of extension per week. Mm -hmm. um, if you go faster than that, you might get pain and swelling. Um, if you go too slow, your treatment might take longer than it needs to. Um, so the, the therapist we include in the kit, and it's available on our website, um, range of motion graphs so that you can measure their, their progress over time. Um, but a lot of times we hear from, um, you know, the, the patient will call and he's a ex NFL football player or whatever. And, and he's got six or eight heavy bands on his digit widget and his finger is swollen and it hurts. Um, they get overexcited. They want immediate gratification. Um, and so the therapist act, acting as kind of a psychiatrist almost to, to, to temper that and encourage the slow growth of those soft tissues rather than stretching. Um, is, is a, a huge impact on patients. With regards to that, is there a certain amount of torque force that we're actually measuring that your goal is for, or is it just based on comfort? We, we get asked that a lot. And on our website, we do have a torque graph um, that kind of illustrates the difference between light, medium, and heavy bands. Um, but really, you want to go by the patient's experience. So we always recommend start with the light band. It's the purple one in the kit. Um, put that on there, wait a week and see what happens. Measure their progress. If they only got say five degrees of extension that week, well maybe jump up to a medium band um, and kind of gauge it that way. You, it's better to approach it slowly than to overshoot. Um, if you jump to a heavy band, they, they might, um, you know, go too fast. Um, you can, another thing that we, we hear, um, and this is off-label use, but it has been done, um, so I, I won't discuss it much, but 
to illustrate that point, we, we do hear of the digit widget being used for camptodactyly mm -hmm. um, in, in pediatric patients. And in those patients, they're so ligamentally loose that even the light band, they will have a straight finger after a week. Um, so you really, you know, in, in your adult patients with whatever the cause of their contracture is, start with the light purple band and see what happens. Um, sometimes there's a lot of variability in these bands. They're just orthodontic rubber bands. Um, so just sometimes band to band can have quite a bit of variation. But um, in terms of treatment on the widget, there's, you won't notice that. Um, but you, it's, so it's okay to think of them in terms of just light, medium, and heavy. And just progress. If, if a light band isn't doing it, you can try two light bands or try a medium. Um, if that doesn't work, jump up to one heavy and see what happens. So see your patient back or talk to them um, or let them contact you and, and find out, are they having any pain and swelling? And as soon as you find out if they are, just back off on the, on the band. And speaking of determining when they're done, you know, your goal is, as you mentioned, I think six to eight weeks is your customary time frame in which you see the patients utilizing it. Let's say they're about eight weeks in and they still are at 30 degrees and they have not made any progress. You've increased the time, you've increased the force. Would you at that time be concerned that there's a bony block or that they're maxed out or what, what are the options once someone becomes at a stalemate, just like they would a stalemate in our therapy? Is that when the surgeons then go in and they need to do a, a release specifically or what, what, what kind of happens when we're at a roadblock with the, the widget, just like we are at a roadblock when we're treating them therapeutically with orthotics? Yeah, that, that's a very common question as well. The, um, you're right. Sometimes it, it gets to that point. The patient's super excited. They went from 90 degrees to 30 degrees, but now it's been a few weeks and they, they aren't seeing any further gains. And that's when, yeah, you'd, you'd need to go back to the surgeon or, or we're happy to help. Um, review the x-rays. If there's any um, arthritis in the joint, that's not a good patient selection for the digit widget. Um, so, and then you'd also want to look for any adhesions. Uh, sometimes you'll see a, an adhesion on the flexor side between um, either the flexor tendons and the fibrosis tunnel, um, and that will restrict any further gains. So that's really up to the surgeon at that point to try to to diagnose and go back in and correct. But also to that point, a lot of times we see the patient get their finger, maybe they get straight and they're super happy. We actually recommend to wear the device for another about two weeks mm -hmm. so that the, the stress relaxation curve that those soft tissues have been going through, you're, you're encouraging them to grow, you're putting a force on them to encourage them to grow. Now that the finger is straight, you want to allow that those tissues to relax and let that the force being applied sort of dissipate through the soft tissues. So it's important to, once you have reached your goal, leave the device on for another two weeks to let that uh, stress relaxation occur before you take the device off. A lot of times the patient um, and the surgeon will choose to leave the digit widget on just the part that's the bone pins and we call it the pin block, but it, it sort of looks like a little sled. Um, they'll leave that on. They won't have the cuff or the connector assembly. So the digit widget isn't doing anything, but once they are done with 
whatever the correction is, if it's a central slip repair or a pulley repair or uh, an open fasciectomy, um, then they'll let the, the scarring uh, heal, let the, the finger heal a little bit from whatever that repair surgery was, and then they'll put the digit widget back on, put the cuff and the connector assembly back onto the device and use it as a post-op splint. Oh, that's a great idea. Wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate learning so much about the digit widget. I'm sure our listeners did as well. And I know you have created an information sheet with the details on your website and some video links. And you guys are amazing when customers call, you know, patients or therapists, they are talking to people that do know what they're doing and can help them. So it's a wonderful company to work with. And thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, Teresa and Kim are the ones that typically answer the phone, but there's only eight people here. And so we all are intimately involved with uh, patient care and, and happy to help in whatever way we can. If, if your patient needs more cuffs because they have been wearing them for six or eight weeks and now they um, are a little bit smelly, we'll send more cuffs directly to the patient. Or if they lose their connector assembly or if they need more bands, they can call us. We can send it straight to their house. It's all free and included. Um, anything we can do to help your patient along, we're happy to do it. Thank you so much, Dustin, for that informative chat. And again, for anyone wanting to learn more, please email us at info at handtherapy.com and just put Dustin in the email subject line or the body. And please don't forget to give us a five-star review on our platform. To share this with your colleagues is super helpful so we can continue celebrating our hand therapy heroes. Thank you for listening to Hand Therapy Heroes. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Visit handtherapy.com and register for our newsletter containing free content and courses about our fascinating hands. Hold hands today for a more functional tomorrow.